appropriate with the Lord's Supper tonight. And so here as we look at uh, 1 Corinthians, we, we have the wonderful uh, opportunity to have the whole Bible. We, we take the whole scripture and we look back and I, I think about this church in Corinth. It was a baby church, but they didn't have the whole scripture yet. It had not been given. And it was in the process of being given. And so some of what they get corrected for, they were, it wasn't as though they had a whole Bible that they could study to see all of the uh, guidelines and the, the principles and the truths and doctrines. Uh, it was still coming. Now, they did have the Apostle Paul. So uh, they had the Apostle Paul that was investing in them and teaching them, and that was great. But here in Corinthians, we find that uh, they are corrected for quite a few things because they were doing things wrong. And, and with that, uh, they, can, they can very easily become a target uh, because they did things wrong. They were a carnal church. They were a baby church. But at the same time, uh, how many problems do we have? And we have the whole Bible. How many issues do we have just simply because we neglect what we have been given? And so here we got we to gotta remember we're talking about first century Christians. These believers, uh, it is the Lord has just died. He has instituted some principles Paul has communicated to them about uh, taking the Lord's Supper, and they start doing so, but they don't do it well. They start leaning back onto some of the feasts. They start leaning back onto a carnal uh, mindset. And so we, we're going to see some things about this church and how, though they've made some mistakes, some of it is, is out of, I believe, out of ignorance. Now, we don't have that, that excuse. We just can't say, well, we, just, we don't have God's word to show us. No, we do. And so we're going to look at some things that I think will be a help to us. And so uh, look again, uh, as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth at verse number 17. Now in this, I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Now he is talking about the assembling. He is talking about the church, how they're gathering together, but their gathering together is not for the good. It's for the bad. They are gathering together, and in their gathering together, they are not edifying one another. They are not building each other up. They are not growing. They are creating an environment that is to the negative instead of to the positive. And so Paul, he's calling these guys out uh, for this. He goes on, for first of all, verse 18, when you come together in the church, I hear there, there, that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. 
Uh, and so uh, I just, I love that little phrase, and I partly believe it. I, Paul was saying, you know what, I've heard that there's divisions, there's problems, uh, there's, uh, there's issues, there's not unity uh, in the church, and he's saying, and I believe it. I've, I've heard enough to where I believe what I, I have been told is true. Now, uh, that, is, that is something that is so vital for a church. Unity is vital. It's vital. It's, it's, not, it's not something that is just suggested. It's something that is commanded. And he's going to go on and he is going to explain how the Lord's Supper reveals unity. So he's dealing with these divisions And he's going to go into the Lord's Supper and he's going to show how these divisions were completely against uh, what the people had been taught. So let's go on. And he says, when you, let me back up. He said, uh, verse 19, for there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be manifest, made manifest among you. Now, the word approved there is that the they that are approved, they that are, are sincere believers, they that are true believers, real believers, should be manifest. He's saying, so the disunity and the heresy, the wrong teachings are going on. And he said, but with those wrong teachings, the only good that's going to come out of it is the true believers are going to be revealed. The people that truly uh, are followers of Christ, they are going to be manifested. They are going to be revealed as being true believers, and it's going to expose those who are not. In verse number 20, now, he's dealing still with unity, and now he's going to go into some areas that it almost doesn't seem like it it ties together. Uh, he, He says, when ye come together, therefore, into one place... This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, how in the world does that tie together with disunity and division? The division, the disunity, how does this all tie together? How does that tie together uh, with the, uh, with the uh, heresy that's going on? And he says, For in eating, everyone taketh before uh, other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this, I praise you not. And tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, is the Lord's Supper a problem? Is the Lord's Supper a problem? And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, As we uh, prepare for the Lord's Supper, I do pray that you'd help us uh, to have the proper view uh, help us to see what you are, you are revealing here in this passage of Scripture, and may we be strengthened because of it. For Christ's sake, amen. 
Now, that's a rhetorical question here. Is the Lord's Supper a problem? And the reality, the answer is no, it's not a problem. But what we have found is in this church, it became a problem. So first century church, they would gather together and we can see in, uh, first, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, go ahead and throw that up real quickly. Uh, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking in bread and in prayers. Verse 46, he goes on, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, uh, first century church, they would gather together and there was fellowship. Now, when you go to uh, different cultures, uh, at the end of a service, there's always food. And we don't have that. American culture, we do not have that. Uh, but uh, so the Asian cultures, uh, the Jewish culture was that way. Uh, the Korean culture, uh, we had a Korean ministry when we were up in Washington. And, and at the end of every service, there was food. Is that right, girls? Every service, it's, it's food. And it's a it's a full-on meal. And I was on the English side, but I would always make sure that I went back there to the Korean side uh, uh, for some food. But, uh, but with that, uh, it was part of the culture, and they would gather together, and there was fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers. It was a time of sharpening. It was a time of building relationships. Now, what happened was as they would gather, there would be people that would have a lot the rich, and then there would be those that had little or none. And so originally, they would gather together, they would have all things common, not communism, it was just that people cared about one another. And it wasn't about themselves. It wasn't about just uh, showing how much they had and how little somebody else had. It was they had things common. They would care one for another. And there was uh, just that distribution. People would be able to eat, uh, get what they needed. And so first century church, that's how they operated. And, and so they would have that food, the, the breaking of bread and fellowship. Now, that was not the Lord's Supper. But it turned into, they tied the Lord's Supper to it. But in the whole process, those that, had rich, that were rich, they would eat to their fill, and they would not provide for those that were poor. And so you had some that had much, and you had others that had little, and so some would eat their fill and get their uh, all of the food, uh, and then there would be others that would not have any. And, and Paul goes through, and he's he is addressing this, and then they they would they would Paul calls them out for. Do you not have a house to eat bread in? Uh, and so he is, he's explaining that the gathering together, the fellowship, that's fine. But when it comes to the Lord's Supper, it wasn't to be filled. It was not to, uh, to, uh, to eat to the full. And uh, they, they perverted uh, the Lord's Supper.
Supper, they, they took this fellowship, and what, what it was called was an agape feast. So a love feast, it was just the care one for another. The food would be out, people could eat. But it was perverted and turned to where only some could have and some would be shunned. And so we see how it became an abuse. And Paul goes through and he corrects them for that. So I've got four points tonight. I don't want to just go through some things that we should do when we are taking the Lord's Supper. I don't, I don't want to be one that takes the Lord's Supper and... and and, and not have the right frame of mind. I don't want to be one that is, is not uh, taking it the way the Lord would want it to be taken. So, so here, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death, Till he comes. So, uh, first of all, as a believer, as we're looking at the Lord's Supper, uh, what is the first uh, thing that we're supposed to do? First of all, we're to look back. We're to look back. We're to look back at what the Lord has done for us, what, what his sacrifice was. That is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper, is to stop and think about what he has done. For us, so uh, so that is what we need to do. We need to look back. So the Lord's sacrifice, uh, He had given us Himself. First, First Corinthians fifteen verse three, He said, "For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according." to the scriptures. So that's the gospel. That, and that is what the, uh, the Lord's Supper is representing. It is representing the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And so when we look at the, the Lord's Supper, it's showing his broken body. It is showing his shed blood. Baptism uh, references all three, the death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, but the Lord's Supper here, it is, it is focusing on the sacrifice of what Christ has done. And if you you're here tonight and you are saved, you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, uh, we need to be thankful for what the Lord has done. We need to have a heart of gratitude uh, for that, that sacrifice. Uh, we shouldn't look at the little uh, piece of bread that we're going to pass uh, by in a little bit, that little wafer, that little cracker, look at it and say, man, that's not much to eat. It's not about eating at this point. It is only about remembering. It's a time to stop and to remember what Christ has done. It's not about the juice. Oh, that little bit of juice, uh, that's, that's not much. How come I'm only getting a little tiny bit? You say, Pastor, people don't say that. Oh, yes, they do. And just like that in the Bible, Paul is correcting it because it turned into all about getting something for their flesh. 
And the Lord's Supper is not about us. The Lord's Supper is about the Savior. It is about what he has done for us. His sacrifice, his broken body, his shed blood. He did that uh, for us. 1 Peter 2, 24. For who in his own self, or who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. It was through Christ's sacrifice that we have the forgiveness of sins. Salvation is because of what Christ did. And if we are saved tonight, if you are a child of God tonight, it's because of what Christ did for you. And if we're not saved, Christ has sacrificed for you. He loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He wants you to go to heaven. He died on the cross. He paid that sin debt for us so we would not have to. And, and here we see just that, uh, that sacrifice. We need to look back, uh, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He revealed, he showed, he manifested his love. He, he commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we need to look back at what the Lord has endured. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So look back at what the Lord has done for us. Look back. Secondly, look ahead. Look ahead. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. as Paul is dealing with uh, these Corinthians, he says, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Till he come. You know, the Lord's coming back. He's coming back. What, what a blessing. You know, not only do we look back that the Lord died for us, we need to be looking ahead because the Lord's coming back for us. He, he has not only uh, came 2,000 years ago, he is also coming again. And when he comes, uh, he will co be coming for his children. Uh, so till he come, he came to his own uh, in the cradle. Uh, he came uh, for his own uh, on the cross, but he's coming with his own in the clouds or he's coming for his own in the clouds. And uh, what a blessing that that is, uh, that uh, he is coming for us. So we need to be looking ahead, thinking about uh, what he has, not only just what he has done, but what he is gonna do. Uh, that, that sacrifice for our sins also has provided a hope in our future. It's not just that my past sins have been cared for, I've got hope in my future. Why? Because of Christ. So, so Lord's Supper, it should not be a time where we are just uh, downtrodden and thinking about uh, the, the suffering of Christ uh, to where it is just a complete negative. It's also uh, that as we are thinking about what he has done, he is also giving us a hope uh, for the future. And we have, it gets better from here. If you're saved tonight, it gets better from here. 
The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we say goodbye to somebody on this side, uh, there's always that sense of loss and that hurt that's there. Uh, But the reality is uh, that person, if they are a child of God, they are with the Lord. And to be truthful, we should be rejoicing that they are with the Lord. You know, we hurt, that hurt, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying we don't hurt. When I lost my dad, when pops passed, that was a hurt that I was not prepared for. I have been at the side of people for over 30 years now as a pastor, and empathizing as much as I can in the hurts that people go through, but it was different. It was different. And I, you stop and you think about that hurt, and the Lord just convicted me how selfish it is to hurt for somebody who's gone when they're with him. You know, when somebody tells you they're going to, somebody told me tonight, they're going to Hawaii tomorrow. Is anybody feeling sorry for them? No. We, we would think, no, I mean, what a, what a wonderful thing. They get to go to Hawaii tomorrow and they're going to enjoy it. When somebody goes to be on the other side and they're with the Savior, it's better than Hawaii. It's better than Hawaii. Now, there's a time gap. Brother Mark, he's, he's with the Lord. And Miss, Miss Brenda and I were talking about uh, the selfishness side of it and, and saying goodbye. And I know that it's, I know that it's selfish. And uh, her saying goodbye to her husband. And there is a void, a gap, uh, some, something missing in her life, someone missing in her life uh, now. But, but with that, the reality is he's with the Lord. And he wouldn't come back if he, if he could. He would, there is no way he would want to come back to Linda, California. (laughs) Heaven or Linda? Heaven or, no, we'll just leave it at Linda. And so, uh, but we have, uh, we, we have that reality. Now, there's hope. When we take the Lord's Supper... We're, we're doing it till he comes. I mean, we're, we're just looking forward to the day he comes back. So we look, first of all, uh, we look back. We look ahead. Secondly, thirdly, we look within. Verse 27, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 31, he said, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. You know, hear that looking within. The introspection, when we come to the place of the Lord's Supper, it's not a looking out to see who else is doing what they should do. It's looking within. Why? Because I don't want to take of the Lord's Supper unworthily. If I am 
if I am not recognizing the great sacrifice that he had for me, his sacrifice should result in a life that is lived for him. It should result in a life of obedience to him. So if I am in direct defiance and direct disobedience to what he is, I know he wants me to do, then I need to get that right. Now, the looking within is not to make us not take the Lord's Supper. It is to look within to assess where we are at. And if there's something that's not right, it's an admonition to get it right. You know, the Lord, the Lord chastens, and that's the word he uses here. Chastening and punishment are different. Chastening is to change a behavior. It is to make things right. It can be punitive or it can be corrective. And the Lord chastens his children. You know, parents, you are to chasten your children. You are to correct your children. Now, the reality is, as you are correcting them, it, it should be redemptive and not punitive. That correction should be that you are trying to change a behavior from a bad behavior to a good behavior. It's not that you are trying to have an iron fist and destroy someone who broke a, a rule or a law. Uh, it's not about just the judgment. It is about that changing behavior. And here, when we look within, it is not to, to just be judged. It is so we can see, hey, these are some areas that I need to change in my life. These are things that I know the Lord's not pleased with. Uh, I need to ask him for his forgiveness so I can get that right. Uh, so there's that look uh, with uh, look back. There's a look ahead. There's a look within. First Corinthians 10, 31, uh, he said, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The Lord gives us that opportunity to take care of that personal responsibility. It's all through the Bible. So judgment then, it should be personal. Because of what the Lord has done for us, we should look into our lives and make judgment and assessment of what we need to correct. So what is wrong? What is missing? Uh, is there a sin of omission? Is there a sin of commission? Am I not doing things that I'm supposed to do? Am I doing things that I'm not supposed to do? Uh, the Bible tells us in James 4, 7, he said, uh, he said, for therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if there's something that the Lord is telling you you need to do, then for you it's sin if you don't do it. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So uh, we look within. And lastly, we look around. We look around. Look at verse number 33 1 Corinthians 11, wherefore my, wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Now, here, when he is dealing with this, he is going through, and it, this looking around, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't looking at other people's sin. He was, he was 
looking at the needs of the body, the people that were there, not to judge, not to dismiss, but to discern what those needs were. Verse 29 said, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So evaluate that evaluation. It needs to be discerningly. Uh, but what are we discerning? It's discerning the Lord's body. Now here, discerning the Lord's body, uh, when we're taking the Lord's Supper, is he talking about the cracker? No. He's talking about the body, the Lord's, uh, the people, uh, the Lord's body, the bread, the body of believers. First Corinthians ten seventeen. he prefaced this teaching and he said, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So he's going back and now that that body that has been broken is also being identified as the body of believers. And so when we, are, uh, when we are discerning, we are thinking of the condition of the body. Now, when we go back, he was talking about, uh, it was talking about heresy. It was talking about disunity. And he was saying that the, the church should not be that way. We are to be one body. We are to be one bread. We are not to be fragmented. Amen. And so here when you look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, he's tying these together and he's showing that the Lord's Supper not only symbolizes the, uh, what the Lord has done for us, but he's also using it to show us uh, about the, the body, the assembly, uh, and that we are to assemble in unity in one body representing the Lord. We are to represent him collectively. We are to represent him corporately. We are to represent him with community. Uh, what is that? Uh, together. So as we come to take the Lord's Supper, it should not be out of a, a time of sorrow, but out of a time of gratitude for what the Lord has done for us. Out of a thoughtfulness that he's coming back for us as well till he come and so now in that time being we are not to be divided we are to be unified so looking forward to seeing him and committing to follow him wholeheartedly and out of a heart of gratitude and love Amen. So we are going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to have our men that are going to help with the Lord's Supper. Uh, you go ahead and come at this time, and we'll prepare for the Lord's Supper. Father, we do thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for loving us so much uh, that we would be able to be uh, your children. And now, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice for us. And I pray that you'd help us as we've gathered together uh, this evening I uh, pray that our minds, our hearts would be focused on what you have done for us. And so we do pray that you'd bless now in this special time. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.